Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to A Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. Today, we had a very, very fun interview with Jean Metzler, the author of The Matzo Ball. I'm here with my co Shawnee. Hi, Shawnee. Hi, Bridget. Seriously, how fun was Jean? Like, I feel like we should be best friends. First of all, if we're not already, <laughs> we're, we're on track to be best friends. <laughs> Such great energy. This interview has such, such great, great energy. energy. And like, I love when when we do an interview and then like afterwards, I just have like a good day, like a smile on my face for the day. I feel great about the rest of my afternoon. Yeah. She gave great interview. She gave yeah. it to us. First of all, I like a few things about the interview. We talked not only about her book, but we talked about like representation of the Jewish community, um, her personal love of Christmas, even though she was raised in a pretty strict Jewish household. We talk about, you know, some smutty reading. We talk about chronic illness because she has chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, I feel like we really touched on like a lot of things. And she was just so open and chatting with us, which is, you know, is always my favorite guest is when we have an open guest who's willing to, to just like ramble through life with us for. Yeah. I, I like what it definitely feels like. We just, we all met up at a coffee shop, got our favorite yeah. drink and are shooting yeah. the shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, it's like, side note, it's cold here for the first time. And I have my windows open in my office, and it's like, it was like 50 degrees outside. And so it got real chilly in my recording closet. So right now I'm in sweatpants and a sweatshirt, and my toes are chilly. And I'm just, I'm going to go drink some hot tea and probably finish a book that I was reading. Yes. And we had this great convo. And I just feel like this is a great day, Sean. It's a great, it's a great day. day. I feel good. It's a great day. I feel like it's like some, some drugs. And this interview was dope. Not sure which drugs, the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> Your drug of choice. <laughs> My drug of choice. Chatting. <laughs> I'm like, extra version. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Jean. Let's do it. Let's get it popping. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Hi, everyone. Okay, we're so excited to have Jean here. She is the author of The Matzo Ball, which is a Hanukkah-inspired rom-com for the holiday season. And the first question I have, which I feel like maybe is not like what you're expecting, but I want to talk a little bit about loving Christmas as a Jewish person because I had a lot of friends who were Jewish growing up and they absolutely loved Christmas they wanted their parents to get Christmas trees they wanted to have Christmas morning and did you feel like that your whole life or was it just sort of a part of the story no I absolutely felt like that my whole life so uh something you need to understand is I came from a very observant home very mock as is the word we would use which means strict um, and in my home, Christmas was forbidden. Uh-huh. So it wasn't just like uh, there, you couldn't even have sort of Hanukkah decor that mimicked Christmas styling. So there was no lights, there was no garland, there was no tinsel, there was no, you know, um, sort of Christmas music song. There was no uh, one. I've never seen a wonderful life, actually. Um, so we didn't do any of that, those types of things. Um, and so I guess in some weird way, I always because I grew up in America, I was immersed sort of in Christmas anyways. 
Um, and it was always just so beautiful. I went to public school um, where we would sing Christmas songs in the, uh, you know, our winter holiday concerts and whatnot. Um, and my mother was always the mother who marched to the school and was like, I don't want my kids singing like certain songs. And so like it was a war between like Santa Claus and Judah Maccabee in my house. It really was. <laughs> and so I, but I always, always, there, there's a story in the opening of the book where Rachel's putting a little green construction Christmas paper tree in her room and the mom comes in and rips it down. That is absolutely based on real life. <laughs> so it has always been in my life. I, I still squeal at lights. I go to Target every year. I walk around the aisles for like three hours, just like, ah, ah. so I don't know where it comes from, but I love like the glitter of it, the like the prettiness. And I think part of it too, is that because I've never celebrated it myself, um, it's only like a fantasy in my head it's all like hallmark you know all the like stress of holidays it doesn't exist because yeah. it's another person's holiday so that's <laughs> a great point you get all of the like joy of christmas which is like yes. the music and the movies and the beautiful lights and decorations but you don't have to like cook a big meal you don't have to worry about your family coming you don't have to worry oh. like all those things that make people anxious around the holidays That's like right. oh where am i gonna find the perfect present for for whoever is in your life this kind of uh, reminds me of so there's like a, a kind of a christian equivalent to a holiday you can't um celebrate right which is halloween so if you come from a family that oh, is, is that like true? yeah if, if you're if you come from a family that's very strictly christian which i did we could not as kids celebrate halloween like any bit of of it was about satan so so like uh, I oh, always no. distinctly, you know, <laughs> distinctly remember like be, seeing everybody get dressed up and do the trick or treating and all that stuff, and you are not allowed to do it. But the funniest thing about that whole thing to me is that what they'll allow you to do is a what they call a harvest festival. Oh, how funny! So you dress up like you would for Halloween, but yeah. you go to church. And you do like bombing for apples, and they'll give and they give you can they give you candy, but only a moderate amount of candy, you know. And, I love but it. it's definitely not Halloween, and it's definitely not the devil's holiday. Oh, that's so now, now I'm gonna twist it around and ask you a question. So, do you do you do Halloween now that you're older? Yes. So now right. I'm older. It's like as soon as you turn 18, every every like little Christian kid is just waiting. It's like Whoa. Yeah, that, was yeah. that was me in my first Hanukkah bush. I was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. She has beautiful Hanukkah bushes. Yes, there's like a in frame. I you know what, Shani's like you though. Shani loves Christmas so much. Yes. Shawnee last year asked me when it was appropriate when I believed it was appropriate to start listening to Christmas music and putting up decorations and I told her after Thanksgiving and she said I'm gonna start in October <laughs> and I was like you I, have to I started, I started my Christmas music listening so it's like it just it's such a happy place like, it is it's, it's it is like and you know we've all had a couple years it's like where you can find your joy you bust those lights out Amen. You do your joy. I think that's exactly I am someone who's a big 
proponent, if I have any sacred mission, it's like we all need to like laugh more, have more joy, have more fun. So, mm-hmm. I mean, anything, I think all of us feel that way nowadays, like anything where we can put up lights, tinsel, decor, you know, mm-hmm. and have a reason to celebrate, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. So tell us about a matzo ball. So for those of you who are not Jewish and have never been to a matzo ball, tell us like what that is about. So actual matzo balls? No, the the actual ball. Like the food, the food, I would hope everyone go out and explore. It's delicious. But the actual like ball where everyone comes together. Okay, so matzo balls are a real Jewish thing. Um, they were started many, many years ago, um, uh, which was originally they were started in sort of like nightclubs. Um, and they were away, they were held on Christmas Eve and they were away where Jewish singles could sort of meet up together, you know, a great sort of kosher meat market. Um, so, um, right, so I was saying that uh, they were typically held on Christmas Eve and uh, they were for the Jewish singles and when all the non-Jewish friends were off with their families celebrating. A way to sort of feel less lonely, but also, you know, the Jewish meat market to meet other young singles and hopefully get married and make lots of babies, right? And and so uh, over the years, they've been changed. They they took on like different inclinations of names. Like, for example, they've been called like Lockapalooza. Um, (laughs) They've been held in synagogues. They've had like over 50 LGBTQ plus. Like, so they've changed a lot. But originally, yes, they're real events and they're held on Christmas Eve. um, And they're still held to this day if you are jewish or not jewish and you're looking for something to do on christmas eve in a major city you can probably find a good old-fashioned matzo ball that's awesome one thing i always liked about my friends um families was they were very focused on them meeting a spouse Mm -hmm. like from a young age they were like you will go to this jewish camp or you will meet other jewish children who then could one day be be your jewish partner and you could grow old and have jewish babies like it was a very very present thing in all of my friends households like didn't matter whether they were practicing or non-practicing it was like you will meet a jewish person and you will marry that person and you'll have jewish babies yeah Um, and i loved that your book they like meet in a summer camp because I I didn't know a single Jewish friend who didn't go to summer camp. No single one. They all went. And I love that part. I think that's like, (laughs) just like such a fun part of culture to put in. It's a very specific, I think, sort of interesting sort of thing. Part of Jewish culture is the Jewish summer camp experience, but also the whole like Jewish meeting and making babies. That's really, that comes out of a lot of our like halha, our legal system, as well as our like cultural and historical um, systems. So, you know, there is actually a Jewish mandate to sort of marry Jewishly and procreate uh, part of the Bible. You will be fruitful. Shawnee probably knows this. You will be fruitful and multiply. Um, but also on top of that, you know, Judaism has survived um, for thousands of years because of our matchmakers, because of the history in, in ghettos and where there would be, you know, matchmaking Jewish couples uh, really made the Jewish people survive as long as we did. So, so that sort of cultural that exists even today, it comes from thousands of years of sort of uh, both legal history and sociological history. Mm-hmm. What would you say, like, when you were building the book, your inspiration was for the characters? Like, did you, like, see something on TV and you're like, ooh, or you saw someone walking down the street and, like, how, where did you come up with them? And so much of that book is just little bits and pieces of my real life. I mean, it's really, like, 
I can, I can point to every sort of character and be like, I see this person, I see that person, I know this person, I have this relationship with. So, I mean, for me, when I sat down, I, I say this frequently, it was a book I never thought would be published. And it was a book I never thought would ever kind of spiral out the way it did. I wrote it primarily for myself, not knowing what would happen, thinking, whatever and so I was just in it like a joyful place sort of doing it for me when I was writing it and so I was just writing my from my experience from the world I knew and not really thinking about anything else and so I, I think you see that reflected in the book mm-hmm. for sure that's, that's <laughs> what was your sort of publishing process like this well so I <laughs> I finished the book and on a whim, I saw that like uh, my agent, uh, my now agent, um, a woman had sold a book called Holiday Swap, Carolyn Ford at Transatlantic Agency. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. She just sold a Christmas romance. Maybe she'll want a Hanukkah romance. And it was the first agent the only agent I queried and I was like, I'm never going to hear from this woman. And two seconds later, I like got an email back, sent it. And then two days later they offered and two weeks later, the book kind of sold. And that, that was, it. that was it. Now that being said, it sounds like an overnight success story, but I had been writing at this point for like 10 years. I was just at a point um, I had for, for about two or three years, I was really just writing stories for myself. Um, part of my like sort of healing journey because I have chronic illness. Um, so it was kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And then it sort of like took off without me. So, um, which is maybe the best way to do a publishing thing. I don't know. So, um, but it's been great. I mean, it's been really exciting and not what I expected at all. And um, I'm really happy it exists because I think it's a very unique book and hopefully, you know, more unique books like it on the shelves. (laughs) First of all, we're always looking for like a holiday like book. And we actually have a hard time um, finding like holiday books, especially ones that aren't about... um, like uh, <laughs> so we always say like the best things that happen at in holidays for romance are like divorce like um like uh second chance you have second chance of love um, single moms single moms divorce moms and like that's that's generally the the thing you know and um so we're always looking for like a holiday book or something different uh, yeah. that we haven't like read before or that sort of thing so it's nice like when authors write holiday books um and it gets like for me it gets me in my feels like when it's christmas time I'm, i want to read holiday books because yeah. like it's i'm ready i'm like all year i'm like i'm ready that's <laughs> i mean such a special time you know and it's like such a great way to like you know, February, I always joke, February is truly the darkest month, but like we get this like into winter, this beautiful time and you get all mm-hmm. the holiday joy. And yeah, I mean, it's really, it was a pleasure at every stage to write this book. So I'm, I hopefully people, when they pick it up, will feel the same way. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about your background screenwriting and writing yes. like in different formats. Yes. Like, how did you feel like that translates? Because like we, me and Shani both come from like a YouTube background and I've, I've written screenplays and things and it's definitely a different oh, style. So- There's so many more rules in screenwriting. Yes. So like how to write and the structure, but yeah. like, how did you feel like that helped or didn't help or... 
So I'm a total classicist when it comes to like writing. I, I love the three-act structure. I love the hero's journey. So I love a good plot that's like built to a big swoony ending. Um, so for me, that was like super important. I love a great takeaway. So I really wanted sort of that big swoony ending, the build to it. Um, the other thing I would say, I actually, the biggest, I think, sort of translation issue between like book writing and screenwriting is screenwriting is a visual art form. And uh, you, you know, I joke, one of the toughest things for me to learn in writing romance was having two characters sitting at a table and talking. Because in screenwriting, that is like the, the one rule you would never, you never have two characters, this is a saying, you never have two characters sitting at a table talking unless there's a gun under the table. And the idea is that it's not visual enough, there's not enough tension, mm -hmm. there, there, that you have to be seeing what's happening on the screen. Right. So yes. So, so many people walk in movies because you want exactly something to happen. So many, like the house, right? Every mm -hmm. scene is them walking when they're talking because right. you need something going on. So in my books, you'll always see like that visual element that I'm always thinking first, like, what would this look like? And then I sort of um, think about the rest of it. It's just my natural, like, first thing. But I really, it took me a while to actually learn how to write a book. I, I really had difficulties sort of transferring those skills over. Um, but I think also people are getting more used to sort of the meshing. I mean, we're all mm -hmm. in the age of streaming media and and I guess pandemic has made us all TV watchers, whether we were originally or not. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think people are, you know, it's interesting. I think back in the day, if, if you wrote a very visual novel, maybe it wouldn't have been as noticed, but I think nowadays people enjoy that too, because it feels like watching a movie. Have you adapted this book specifically to a screenplay? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Any thoughts on it? Any thoughts on, on adapting it into a screenplay? I mean, I've, I've thought about it. I've wondered, you know, but um, we'll see what happens in the future. So, I mean, I, I think know. it would make a, a really fun holiday movie. So we'll see, you know, we'll see do, what happens. Do you get jazz like for the, all the holiday movies? Like, I you do. know, <laughs> I, love, I love like, the, so I didn't start reading romance until like my late thirties. And one of the things I loved about it, which you see in a lot of Christmas sort of movies is the fantasy aspect of it right like mm -hmm. no no christmas prince is coming to to take me to tutor his his daughter you know yeah. in piano right. in a christmas hallmark movie the christmas prince arrives and you True. know he's the widower and yeah. i'm for me i'm like i say it all the time i read romance because i am here for the billionaire who does laundry like i want mm -hmm. the fantasy you know what i mean mm -hmm. i've been married over a decade give me the fantasy so like yeah i love that aspect of holiday movies i i watch them all i love like christmas camp christmas prince i mean all i i i i, I melt for them so yes i Absolutely. love 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 the fantasy <laughs> aspect of it <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy that. I'm, I'm, I'm married over a decade. Give me the yes. <laughs> yes. He does laundry. He's like, please, dear. Yes, yes, yes. When he's a billionaire with a six pack, and I love my husband, but you know, a woman, yes. woman 
has needs. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to buy you a car and yeah, a new wardrobe and some thousand dollar lingerie. I treat you, know, you right. Why not? Yes. <laughs> yes. Why not? I mean, I think I think in general, we talked about this before on the podcast that romance is all about sort of um exploring like fantasies and exploring even just like not only the the good things but the bad things and the taboo things and and it lets you it lets you peek into a world you would never do would i really want to date a billionaire workaholic no i don't want to no thank you like my husband's in a startup and it has been hard enough during the years where they're like constantly sprinting and working that i know that that's like a short shelf life where he's doing it for x number of years and then he's out and he's going to do like a nice cushy job where right. he comes home at 4 30 and that's right. it but like i wouldn't want to date someone who just like couldn't ever get enough and was like always in real life no thank you in a book hello yes i do fly me in a helicopter take me places <laughs> let's go great. so i think and it's, it's so wonderful to sort of explore those fantasies i'm a huge fan of sort of the indie romance world where they do a lot of like you know uh, what's a good word for it i don't know they just push a lot more boundaries but i think yeah. it's a great great way to sort of explore those fantasies especially if you weren't raised being mm-hmm. able to explore them it's Absolutely. a safe way to, to sort of have fun and figure out what you mm-hmm. enjoy and want which i'm a bit Absolutely. yeah and, <laughs> and also like for for me and, and probably other kids who grew up in either really strict homes or religious homes like for me romance was the only way that i could learn like about anything to do with wow. sex romance i mean it's terrible you should never learn about sex to <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe more like modern romance the old like thought yeah. rippers are a dangerous place to learn about what good consensual oh, sex man. is yeah. <laughs> i think that's why a lot of people have kind of a warped sense of everything because in my formative years what i was reading was not realistic and so it when i got older i had to like deprogram yeah. what like all that all of that but you know because of that like now in romance, the things that I like or whatever were distinctly like uh, created and molded in those years from, from romance, you know, yeah. books and stuff like that. So it's uh, what I like to read and all that stuff is not necessarily like the mainstream or like or what everybody thinks is normal, you know. Yeah. And so and there's a lot of us. And that's why in the indie publishing, you get so much variety yeah. of, of story because people had to kind of like I always say it's like a, um, a tree growing in a box right like if there's a tree just growing it will just grow generally grow straight up towards the sun and follow the sun right but when you when somebody puts you in a box like as a kid and it's like yeah you can only grow as big as this well the tree's gonna grow out of the box but it's gonna grow all sorts of sideways and yeah. wiggle <laughs> like you know what I mean out the crack side of the box yeah. and push it open and so you're gonna get a very a tree with a lot of character yeah. <laughs> you know and so uh but like if I didn't have that escapism and all and that in books I like I don't know where you know like what would have occupied my my brain you know at that point so it's it's really cool to get like such a variety of story um from people and sometimes you pick up a book and you go oh i know how you grew up (laughs) 
do maybe like a side podcast about um the personality traits of like the characters or like the red flags of, of the characters are like mm, these, these characters so are red funny. Fl- this is a narcissist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but there's a whole like if you read the indie world there's like a whole the bad boy trope the sort of like you know like yeah so it's yeah. so interesting because yeah, you know, the beautiful thing about modern technology, for good and bad, it's made all these access points, right? Mm-hmm. And we can sort of find our interests or figure out who we are. So yeah. it's fabulous in that regard. But definitely, like, it's the place where you can explore things that aren't healthy for you. And maybe in a way that is healthy, too, you know? But yeah, I mean, I love a good bad boy trope, so. <laughs> we, we who doesn't? Again, you don't want those people in real life, but in a no, book, no, come no. on. He's going to murder someone for you? How wonderful. That's so sexy. In real life, I don't want someone murdering people for me. That's insane. In a book, though? criminal, you know? Yes. I'm into it. I'll help you bury the body. I always remember so we, we interviewed this um, author LJ Shen and she said um, you know when she's writing her heroes she says she, she doesn't like them to have to be good at all she's like she wants them to be so bad that there's like they're just like a dust there's like there's no get around she explained it but she was just like yeah like they they have she's like they're so bad they're like there's like maybe dusts of, of good in them or like they're just like the worst crumble down humans ever and it was interesting and because like, like i need to read that book if you like a bully romance she does a nice bully romance she does yes she um, does a nice bully romance which now at my age it's hard for me to get into bully romance anymore but yeah. when i was younger i did i love them and now I'm always like, this is unhealthy. What are, yeah. what are we? <laughs> There's too much nothing, nothing is unhealthy. <laughs> it's all gravy. As long as no one's bullying you in real life. It's all good. All good in the hood. But uh, I actually I have a question about audiobooks for you, um, mm-hmm. actually. So I, I exclusively listen to audio um, because as I got older, I discovered I could no longer read. <laughs> like like uh, track. Yeah. yeah. So, so I um, we've tried. I tried to read a couple books for the podcast, and I called Bridget. Like Bridget, I can't read. I don't know when this happened. <laughs> um, so, so, but I, but I love audiobooks. I listen to my car and at all points. Um, so, uh, my question to you is like, um, is it a priority for you to get your books into audio? And um, do you have like a say um, in the narrator and um, in that process? So I think every writer wants an audiobook nowadays. They're becoming such a huge part of the market. I mean, my husband, I joke, audiobooks are the other woman in our relationship because I will find him at two o'clock. He, man, lit RPG is his jam. And I will find him at two o'clock in the morning, you know, listening to lit RPG. So um, he like, you know, I had to yell at him, don't bring the phone in the shower. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a... <laughs> Get out of the shower. We're in RPG, honey. <laughs> but, but yeah, so obviously, like, I want audiobooks. I think a lot of 
people nowadays find it's much easier uh, audiobooks with our time, with our schedule. I think we've all been sort of changed by the internet age too long, did not read, you know? So I, I yes, absolutely. Um, I think as an author, you don't get a lot of say whether or not your book in traditional is made into an audiobook, but everybody wants it to be made, I would hope, into an audiobook. Um, and that in terms of the narrator, I did sort of get to have my input. So I was given sort of a few choices and um, I really thought Dara Rosenberg, who wound up doing the audiobook, had just a great sense of comedic timing. So uh, I was I was totally there for her, and so was my editor and other people. And she was the one who wound up doing it, and uh, I thought she did a great job. So it was. But other than that, no, I I wasn't like sitting in. I didn't have a major. You know, I wasn't coming in. You you give up a little bit of control in traditional in that regard. So. But I thought she did a great job. Hello, best friends. Thank you for being loyal listeners of Romance at a Glance. We're so happy to have you. If you'd like to support us further, head over to Patreon, where you can become one of our patrons. We've got a lot of great perks, such as merch and a super secret discussion group, where Bridget and I talk to you directly about all things romance and all things nasty. So come on over. And now, back to our show. I really like your cover because, okay, so me and Johnny have this debate about um, illustrated covers because I think a lot of times they're becoming like so in vogue that all books have them yeah. and I think your book is a great example of where I would want it to have it because it shows that it's going to be like a rom-com feels I'm going to get like obviously like you can see with the symbology on it okay it's going to be about Hanukkah yeah. says Mops on the title <laughs> um, which I think is great what do you think like when you go into a bookstore do you think oh illustrated cover like what vibe does that tell you the book is going to be or what do you think you're going to be getting I almost always think it's going to be a rom-com mm-hmm. um, and you know it, sometimes it's not sometimes it's more just a straight romance which always kind of like surprises me a little bit um, mm-hmm. which is a strange sort of thing I guess I don't know what that's strange but um, yeah when I see sort of the the car- cartoony I guess you, how did you say it how I said you? illustrated illustrated that's a good drawn right versus there. like drawn, you drawn. know two people with abs <laughs> you, you know you like vocabulary I'm thank you I try <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the cartoon covers. Um, I write good. <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes I say they're animated, and then I'm like, God, Bridget, you're such a numbskull. They're not moving. God, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> but yeah, I thought you know, I but there's so many books in bookstores, so you know, it's mm-hmm. it's so hard to like get yours sort of seen. But I do think you know, there's something. What's been so interesting about the matzo ball is how many people who aren't sort of like romance writers, writers, readers have like picked it up. So I think mm-hmm. there's something, maybe because it's like Jewish or the title, mm-hmm. there's something that's sort of like interesting, um, how it's sort of attracting people from all sorts of like reading backgrounds. Yeah. Well, I think, the, awesome. I think the illustrated covers in general, you know, work to not embarrass the reader um, uh, when they're reading it in public. Hard. So like uh, uh, Bridget knows this, but I used to cover my romance novels. Wow. Um, one, because I wasn't allowed to read them. So I used to cover them <laughs> and then write like The Great Gatsby on the outside oh. so that my mom wouldn't know what I was reading. <laughs> and this, and this so worked, funny. by the way. Wow, yeah, never. <laughs> you know? um, but my I was parents would in... never have believed me. They would have been like, this is some <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> 
Or like when I would read them on the bus for school, I'd be super embarrassed if Fabio was on the cover. So mm. I used to always read them. And even as an adult now, I don't really openly want people to see me reading romance novels. Oh, so, you know, so that cover is really um, a nice cover for like having a book that does <laughs> that's kind yeah, of it could be about anything. It could be about, about a generational anything. Jewish, you know, household yeah, and it looks struggle. Fun. We don't know. You know, Gosh, you're totally yeah, right. You know, that is such a smart comment. I hadn't even thought of that. That is actually brilliant. That's brilliant. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, I'm totally so you nailed it. Yeah. They, yeah. So, yeah, that's really, really smart. And I've never even really thought about that. That idea I think that's why, I think that's like to your point about indie publishing, I think that's why romance on Kindle and any other device has really exploded because people can have all these things in their Kindle queues and no one knows what they're reading. They just reading. know they are reading. So people don't know, <laughs> no. like, you know, if you've gone, if you're dark romance, you know, one so week hard. you've gone super deep into like vampire romance and all right. the covers have like blood dripping down them and stuff. Like, you don't need people need to know that. They just know that you're literary and you're reading. Right. Right. <laughs> like, she reads so much. Wow. Know. She's so educated. She reads so much. Yeah. I, I, was thou- I have a thousand books on my Kindle. Nobody is no, it's pure smut. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. 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 I joke. I joke. I don't do like star ratings. I do like, uh, um, what do you call it? Like drinking tea in the morning to like 10 years of marriage. And, like, <laughs> and so like when my friends ask, I'm like, what, what are we in the mood for? Are we going on a trip or are we? Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. Straight smut. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there for it. <laughs> I know. I love when people ask me for book recommendations and I, I do ask that question. I'm like, but what are you in the more? Same with movies. Cause people ask me for a lot of movie recommendations too. And I'm like, but tell me what vibe you're going. Cause like you can't just ask a bookworm for a book one single book recommendation that's insane like i read 200 books already this year it's like which one what genre what what do you need from me you know what i mean and then and then you have people who say things like um oh well i'll read anything and you're like okay cool and you give them the book and then they read it and they're like something's wrong with you and you're like don't shame me don't you shame me that's when you ask like some somebody their favorite like music genre like as a musician people will always ask me for recommendations and i'm like okay well what kind of music do you like and they're like i like everything you're just like everything but country i like everything but country and you're and so you're like like in my mind i'm thinking of the like over 200 playlists that i have created for different vibes right like you know and i'm just like that is so that's so difficult. Like what, right. you know what I mean? And then it, you'll send them something. And of course they never, they never like it or that's not what they were going for. And you're like, yeah, cause you yeah. gave me no information. Exactly. Where we're going to be reading it. How, when. <laughs> how did you, speak of that, how did you decide in your own book, like what level of sex do you wanted to have in the book? Did it sort of naturally come about or did you have sort of a, an so, aim that you were looking for? I mean, it's very simple. When I sat down to write it, I was thinking about like Hallmark films and that Mm -hmm. they're very clean and you don't really see characters going out at it. Um, I remember in revisions with my editor, she sort of was like, oh, well, it's okay if they like kiss earlier. But at that point, knowing it was going to be published and for the, and that this was sort of new for the Jewish community, I felt that it was really, really important to sort of keep it on the clean spectrum. I just felt like I know my community. I, I know 
um, your audience, people, my audience, what people would hand off or not, you know, to each mm-hmm. other or talk about. Um, so I felt it was really important. I wanted it to be a book that like you could give to your bubby, your rabbi, your, your daughter-in-law, um, and not really have to be embarrassed. I don't think we're there quite yet for full smut, um, <laughs> but I think we'll get there. I'm slowly trying to inch that way, but, <laughs> but we'll yeah. I mean, and I think for me, I really enjoy the plotting aspect and not that, you know, but sometimes when there's a lot of sex in a book, it, it uh, you're, you're spending a lot of time on the sex and less mm-hmm. on the sort of arcing plot. So for me, I just wanted to play with the plot, but really I just, I wanted to keep it clean to be as open to as many as people who could read it as possible. Yeah, I'm feeling a I'm feeling a pen name coming on smutty Jewish but you know I think I think we we see more more of that in indie and things like that you know mm-hmm. that there's more you know I just uh, for whatever reason it hasn't and and uh, Rosie Rosie uh, Denan and the intimacy experiment right mm-hmm. uh, there's mm-hmm. more sex in that, for that sure. book um, but for me I felt like for like Hallmark you just don't see it and so I just wanted to keep it clean. So, so this is just like a, a tangent because I, I think about this a lot. Um, when, when I go to like the bookstore mm-hmm. to find a book, I'm pretty much served up the same, generally the same type of book, same type of author. Um, so in general, when you're looking for books that are basically are not like white folks who've written it, <laughs> yeah. you know, like Christian white folks or whatever, you know, is, is it, uh, is your book like served up, you know, do I, do I have to like dig a little to get to your book? Like, um, when you go to like a bookstore or trying to find your book or that sort of thing, like, is it, do you, do you know what I mean? Like, um, you mean are they like hiding it under in this, like, yeah, the like so a lot of times when, you know, especially when I was a kid, if like any sort of diverse book was not the book that was on the on the table that they were promoting to go out you know what I mean you had to dig like when I found Beverly Jenkins like I I specifically searched for like a black author black books that sort of thing I had to put those words you know in so I'm curious to know if your book is served up or if it's something that people actually have to dig a little bit more for. Well, I've heard both. So I think it really depends on the store. And I, I've definitely like been seeing where it's on the table and it's out. Um, and then sometimes it's on the shelf. Um, it really seems to just depend on the store. But I feel like uh, for for the, I think it's, they've been trying, you know, I, I feel like the booksellers and everybody has been really receptive. Mm-hmm. And I think you know hopefully the readers will be receptive to and picking it up i've seen it on some like christmas lists too of like christmas books that you should read this season and it's been on a bunch of those lists too which i think is great because i think um like your book sort of evokes that same feeling of that holiday rom-com um it just doesn't happen to be about christian or christmas which i think um having some diversity in those and i also think in general the industry is recognizing I mean, even your character in your book, her publisher is like, write a book about Hanukkah and stop writing books about Christmas. Um, so I think that the industry in, is recognizing that like everybody wants to read stories about other cultures and other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, and the people in those groups want to read their own books and want to read about their own experiences. Um, yeah. And to your point of like, this book had so many, so much of your childhood and your growing up and your actual family experiences. I'm sure when people who are actually, you know, 
reading it, they're like, oh my God, my mom said the same thing to me or, oh my God, that exact thing happened with my rabbi. Well, and I think also if you really like Google like sort of Jewish romances, there's not that many. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a handful. So it's Mm -hmm. really like this gaping hole in the market and the industry for whatever reason. So, you know, I... Growing up, I, one of the reasons I wrote this book was for my nieces and nephews, but growing up, I really didn't have stories where there were Jewish people outside of like Holocaust fiction, Mm -hmm. fiction, outside of the lens of victimhood. So it really is a new way of sort of doing a Jewish story or these Jewish romances where you see that Jews are sexy, that they're living their life, that they have jobs Mm -hmm. and, you know, not be murdered. So, you know, it's like... You know, it seems you can't believe it in 2021, 2022, that like, you know, this is a new thing. But, um, you know, hopefully we'll see more of these types of stories. Not that we should ever stop talking about the Holocaust, but that, you know, there's other ways to see the Jewish experience. (laughs) Sure. I mean, I enjoy and I get very excited when there's a book about a culture that's different from mine um, and different from like what's standardly served Um, because there's a lot I don't know. And in a story you get, um, you get to learn in almost like a safe space, right? Where you're like, oh, okay, I didn't know that that's a thing that happens or, oh, I didn't, you know, like, so I learned a lot through reading um, mm-hmm. before I ever might encounter someone or have, be able, even have that conversation in real life. So I get very, very excited when anything is, is offered. I'm like, I have to read that, you know, and for your book, it's like, if that book exists, I have to read that because there's just not, I just haven't encountered a bunch of uh, books from Jewish authors or about Jewish people. So I'm like, that's, that's a definite pickup, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I um, really, I really wanted the reader to see the best of my community. Like living in a strong Jewish community is such a special, unique experience. And like that Shabbat dinner, like, not everybody has access to that right and I really wanted to welcome readers into that world and to give them that experience and same thing Jewish summer camp I'm sure you've all heard from your friends about Jewish summer camp but then to give more of like sort of the background of like messy hair straighteners and towels and pranks and you know color wars or whatnot so I do I really wanted to invite everybody into the world that I love so much I think it's good who because I've been watching a lot of documentaries of like yeah. women escaping the Orthodox Jewish community. It's so funny. I saw I heard someone say that the only time people write about orthodoxy is when they're leaving it. And I was like, <laughs> that's true, kind of. But the only story. So so at least if you're looking for a story where people are not leaving the Jewish, like not this is it. This is a joyful Jewish story. I didn't want to get into any big topics, you know. We're just having a good old Hanukkah non-con time. I you know, to your point about like so much stuff being told about the Holocaust. I I think it's so important to show like that the the joy of like present day like like you said people get married people fall in love people have jobs people live and yes they are still jewish and yes they are still part of but but it's okay to be happy and it's okay to <laughs> like you said like i didn't want to include that because i wanted people to just be happy for like the span of 300 pages or 250 <laughs> pages i wanted people to just feel joy and I feel like that's like a really underappreciated value that entertainment and books and movies and you know 
I feel like people who read romance and people who watch Christmas movies get a lot of shit, especially because they're women and like the patriarchy tends to just shit on women, anything that like women claim as their own. But like, what is wrong with like going into a book and knowing it's all going to be okay at the end because they're going to be in love and happy. Like I love to read romance, especially during when I'm feeling bad or during the pandemic, because like, I don't want to go into a book and be uncertain that the main character might die and then I might just be heartbroken for the next like two weeks. I don't want that. I don't want that stress. If I go into it and someone dies, I'm like, they're going to get resurrected or some, something's going to happen because there's a romance that got to end up together. And so right. there's a safety in being, allowing yourself to feel just like that elation because yeah. you don't have to worry. In real life, you have to worry what might happen. You have to, there's anxiety that comes along with being in the real world and, you know, like being married and like wondering like, will we grow together? Will these like, you know, all right. these things. But in a book, I don't have to worry because the author is going to take me there and they're going to, yes, there'll be some struggles. Yes, there'll be some mishaps along the way. But at the end of the day, they're going to take me to that, like you said, to that swoony climax where I get to feel the feels yeah. and be so yeah. elated drink my hot cocoa and eat my Reese's and just live my life and so I appreciate that that was your goal because I think that's a really under undervalued like service to the world yeah Yeah, and I feel that way like one of my favorite things about the book is like I can walk away saying I put something good into the world you know Mm -hmm. like that yeah like it's happy it's joyful it it tried really hard to be loving and Mm -hmm. like you know, I think writers, we tend to be writers because, you know, we have a lot of issues we need to work out. So that's why the tendency is always to go sort of dark. But um, I think it's as hard to write something joyful as it is to write something dark. And, and I think you're totally right. I think people just like are like, oh, it's bluff, it's stupid. But it's as hard to write something joyful as it is to write something dark. And I'm very proud of my joyful book. <laughs> yeah, you should be. I want to I switch gears really quickly. And because and, I think um, it's something that maybe we haven't talked really about with um, any of our guests yet is writing while you have a chronic illness and like kind of how that shows up for you and how you're able to. Because I know a lot of our, you know, fans and stuff, everyone's going through different things and And so I would love to like maybe encourage someone who maybe is having some sort of chronic illness or something that they're trying to overcome, like how they can keep being creative and, and how, how that shows up for you. So I don't know how much your viewers will know about my story when they're listening to this. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with ME-CFS when I was 18 years old. I was a freshman in college. Um, I've never really been able to return to a full-time schedule uh, since that diagnosis. So I, I've always had to sort of negotiate my life sort of on a part-time schedule. Um, In 2012, unfortunately, I got much, much worse. Um, My disease has always been what we kind of call remitting and relapsing, meaning it's up and down, it swings. Mm -hmm. But in 2012, I basically became almost completely homebound. So I basically didn't leave the house for like two years. My like event trip would be like grocery shopping for 45 minutes, maybe once a month, once every two months. And that was me leaving the house. Um, I would have to use a wheelchair. My husband basically had to be my caretaker. Um, And this is not rare. Uh, It's just invisible. It's just not seen. So Mm -hmm. with my disease, NACFS, um, let me see if I can recall it. 25% are severe, which means they're bed bound. Um, and 75% cannot work, uh, full time. And I'm, I'm homebound now. I'm, I'm part of that group who hasn't been able to work. 
for over a decade. Yeah, so this is chronic fatigue syndrome. It's kind of like the layman's term, like what someone yes. might have heard. Yes, sorry. Yes. Okay, yeah, so, just, I just wanted to let no, people no, know. Sorry, yeah, it's a lot of stories. So I appreciate mm-hmm. the help uh, mm-hmm. clarifying. Um, but what, what chronic illness does, and I think this is for all of it, is it brings you to very, very low places. And in order to sort of survive that, you have to be able to hold on to your joy, right? You have to be able to hold on to your value and to see your value because otherwise it's really easy to sort of spiral into a place that like I'm not worth it anymore or my life isn't worth something so first let me say your life is absolutely worth something whatever you're going through you are valid there are people who love you there are people who support you and the thing I know about bad days is that the good days will always come so do not give up. If you're having a bad day right now, like, I, please hear this. The good days will come again, okay? So do not give up. Um, but that being said, that, that sense of joy, um, it was why when the pandemic started, and I think a lot of writers sort of stagnated, for me, it was almost like my right away kick reaction was like close the door and and go right and go find your happiest place and so that was kind of what I did like for me writing this book was what I've been doing for over a decade which was just focusing on my healing focusing on my joy focusing on the good of my life and not trying to keep up with like other people's Mm -hmm. external value systems Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it. Did I answer the question? I might've gone on a tangent. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little, I a little bit teared up a little bit <laughs> uh, because I deal with chronic illness and, it, and I think the, one of the hardest things when you deal with that is that it's invisible. And you feel like an idiot when you're trying to tell people like today's just not a, a good day. And there's no, you, you can't, I can't give you enough information to quantify why today is not a good day, right? Um, so unless you have like supportive like friends or people where you could just say like, I don't have I don't have the spoons today, you know, for that thing, like it it makes you feel almost like you're gaslighting people. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes when I'm communicating and I'm like, I know I look like I have energy or like I can do the day, I can't do the day, you know, um, and it, it's. It, it's so, so sometimes that interaction is so hard and you feel like you're letting people down and it takes a lot it's taken me a lot you know and Bridget actually has been on a journey with me um <laughs> for for a few years um you know to like and I can say to her like I don't have the capacity like I'm you know and she'll be like okay do I need to pick up you know do I need to pick up a little extra right now so like so that you can, you know, whatever. And like, I'm, I'm so grateful when you have people like that in your life where you can be like, Hey, and they're like, that's cool. I got you. Like you, you, you handle that. And I got this, you know, um, it, it allows you to, to flourish a bit, you know, when you, when you're doing that. Um, and I, I enjoy heavily that you write, chronic illness into your story um sometimes i feel like it can be a balancing act right like when we read a book like um a book with a hysterectomy like like two books ago or a book ago and we were like too 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 real too real too real real. it didn't feel like it needed to be in the book this is magic and and it didn't need need to be in the book it didn't need to to be in the book and it was like no too far too far you know um but like for me when i read um 
uh, like chronic illness, which I've only ever read maybe like three books that have anyone with a chronic illness in it. Um, but that's part of the fantasy for me, right? When, when I am dating with a chronic illness, like I want to believe somebody will love me with my chronic illness. I want to believe that somebody sees the value in me. Um, even if I can't necessarily go run errands every day, or if I like, I, if I do an activity, I might be in the bed for two or three days with, you know what I mean? And like, and also they can't diagnose what's wrong with me right now. So like, I don't even know what to tell people sometimes when they're like, what's wrong with you? And then it's like a stigma, shame. And you, we don't know. Am I pregnant? Like, is it in my head? Like, do I need a haircut? Like, should I get bangs? I don't know. Maybe I'll fix everything. And you want, and you just want, Want to believe that that yes, billion that that billionaire who could, have, who could have anybody that they wanted in the entire planet, you know, mm-hmm. like is is willing to take care of you and hand yeah. you off that credit card, you know, like that's so, right. Yeah. So I think it's it's super important when people talk about diversity in books. Generally, they're talking about race or you know, mm-hmm. um, but I think like the diversity of person or or mm-hmm. illness or um, ability or whatever is so is super important also in telling stories and that they're not just kind of like ableist um stories um and so yeah, yeah so talia, I said, oh. hibbert, talia hibbert when we interviewed her was talking oh. about why she sort of chose to have the brown sisters each have their own sort of journey in that sense um one with a chronic illness one is autistic you know they each have um and i i totally agree with you shani i think i think not thinking about diversity in like one little box, but thinking about diversity in like the whole human experience is, is a much more inclusive way, obviously to think about where to write the stories and who to include and who to showcase. Cause like, I mean, for yourself, like you have a husband, you're married, like, yes, you have a chronic illness, but you also have a partner. Yes. And I think that's, you know, for someone who maybe doesn't have one yet to know. You like, are hey, deserving yes. of good and healthy love. My husband is a love. great, great man. I did not settle. So <laughs> even though I joke about the 10 years of marriage, I think that's fair. Cause we've been married. How, how, you guys have been married 10 years, but how long Over have you been so, to get, did you, how did you meet? What's your meet kit? What do you got? Oh Lord, that's a whole other story. So um, I was a, I was on a cruise and I was a first year rabbinical student and he was a not Jewish uh, guy about to deploy, a military guy about to deploy to uh, Iraq and a college student and he was so cute and handsome and wonderful and um Two weeks later, he was like, Gene, I'm going to marry you. And I was, oh like, my. I was like, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I'm on a cruise. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, we're going to Bermuda. And then I just couldn't get rid of him. And uh, so I lost my, they actually had lost my luggage, but I found love. And uh, we were married two years later on the date that we kissed for our first Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah. That's a fucking rom com no, right there. No, you know, that's your next book. book is an interfaith uh, romance so yeah. you know, so yes a little bit based on that that true life love story but he is a great great man and listen i i've been sick for a very long time women men out there everybody 
listening. Um, I've been sick for a very long time. I have a lot of friends who have been sick for a very long time. And I will tell you that every single one of my friends who have been sick have found their partners, found their people. If they're not in a relationship, it has nothing to do with their illness. Mm-hmm. So you are absolutely deserving of love, healthy love. And that, that guy mm-hmm. is out there. Do not settle for the guy who's like, giving you junk for being sick. That's not your fault. Everybody has baggage. You just need to make sure girls, your baggage matches. And he got Gucci. It looks, it yeah. doesn't work, but if you both have Louie, you're good to go. So <laughs> my, my grandma used to say there's a lid for every pot. Yeah, so like track. you just have to find the right <laughs> lid. It doesn't matter what size pot you are, or what size right, lid right. you are. You just go find the right lid, the right That's pot. That's exactly true. And like, I, I know that for chronically ill people, it's such a fear. It was a fear of mine too. And I had some very good friends who shot me down as soon as I said, who will ever love me with chronic illness? And they were like, Jean, don't you dare. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> that is the stupidest thing. Never said it again. And I went dating knowing my worth so yes you know, every girls guys whoever is sick out there go out there knowing your worth yeah you know so like you stated something but it, i i learned this um when i joined like the kink community right um so everybody out there in like who's in the kink community has a very specific kink or mm. multiple kinks you know whatever that they want to explore and they a lot of some of these kinks are out there you know what i mean and i'm not judging them but they're they're definitely not they're definitely not the, the nor even the norm in the kink community you know and all of these people find love they find somebody who matches with their kink it is amazing right yes and i've mm-hmm. seen like i've seen it in real time and i'm like really the two of you? how did you find each other like how you know what i mean um and i remember uh, you know like um, so when I think about chronic illness, I think about like the, the different personalities of people. Some people are actually caretakers, like their love language is helping their partner. Like that actually helps fulfill them and how they feel and whatever that is a part of who they are. So like having a chronic illness, we always assume that somebody out there doesn't want to help us or doesn't want to be a part of that journey or doesn't whatever. But some people like are programmed in their brain. That's what brings them joy. And, and they love being needed and they love the whatever, or they love, you know, so there's also that bit of like, like we always assume we we have like an ableist mindset in ourselves. It's like, you know what I mean? And like, like every guy wants to go rock climbing on the, on the my husband being the lit RPG, right? Like he's a homebody. Like if I have to spend the day in bed, he is perfectly happy. With that, right? He's like, yes, I don't have to do anything today. <laughs> so, and I'm like, who are we to deny them the opportunity? Yeah, that's right. I mean, show us is, how, how they can show up for us. Sick girls do everything better on their backs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I, will so, I will concur with you. <laughs> you guys i don't feel like we could ever climb to a better mountain than that one as the climax of our show right now with you sick girls do everything better on their backs thank you so much for chatting with us this has been just a delightful way to spend an hour and get to know you so much fun and thank you for sharing your story with me shawnee and bridget pratt and both of you for having me here it's been a total blast i could chat with you ladies all all day long Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. 
head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.